good to see each and every one of you this morning as we come to worship our great, merciful, loving, almighty God this morning. And I'm so thankful we're able to do this in freedom so far. Please to continue to pray for the service this morning. I need your prayers. As a minister coming before God's people, it's certainly a very fearful thing to come before you. For you are the people of God. And God told us in the fourth chapter of John to the woman at the well that those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, truth is so important. But also we need the spirit. And we have that spirit from the spirit of God to our spirit. And if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus as the son of God, you have the spirit of God placed within you. You are born again. And we've come this at this time to worship him in this assembly of what he's established as his church. Uh, the subject I want to come to you about this morning, it's a it's a vast subject. It's 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 so large, but maybe I can just give you just a little bit of the subject. And I'm I believe I might have preached on it once or twice within the last 25, 30 years. Um, but it's a subject called prayer. If you think about it, it's something that we do in our worship service. You might say it's part of the worship service. We not only sing praises to God, but we also pray. We pray to God. And we also have preaching. Well, what is prayer, basically? Well, I went and I looked it up in our worldly, our dictionary. And the way the dictionary says it is an address, or in parentheses, a petition to God. An earnest request or a wish. Uh, to entreat, to implore, to make a request in an humble manner. You know, that's one thing about prayer, and it's so important. It's where we communicate to God, but there's humility that's in that prayer. In other words, it's something that we need to have uh, because what we're doing is we recognize God as our great almighty being that created all things, including us. And we go to him with humility, in humbleness, because we recognize he is God and we are his people or we're below him. We're subservient to God. He's our master. We're the servants. So that's important that we understand. It's a communication to God. It's a petition, if you will, that we ask him and we 
We ask him in humbleness, and we ask him uh, because we know that with God all things are possible. You know, one time the uh, the disciples asked him, "How then can man be saved?" You know, uh, there was a man that had all these riches, and and uh, and and he said he kept all the law except Jesus knew something about him. He said, "Well." Give all that you have and follow me," he said the man. Went away sorrowfully because he was a man of great possessions. See, he couldn't. He was a covetous person. He couldn't give up any of his possessions for God. And then, of course, the disciples asked him, "Well, then, how can man be saved?" He said, "With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible." So, what is it about prayer that makes it different from other? Requests or other things. Well, for one, we know it's request to God. It's our pouring out our feelings and our, our, maybe our desires or our wants to God because we know that, especially at times when we've done everything we can in a natural, in a natural sense in, in the world. Like, for example, you know, in my family, there's all kinds of medical problems. Well, we've been going to the doctor. And we've been going to this person and that person. But also, we go to God in prayer, asking Him. Now, whether He does it directly or whether He does it through a doctor, that's what we ask in our in praying. Um, so... There's another word that kind of goes along with it because sometimes you'll see a scripture and it'll say, with prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Well, what's supplication? Supplication means to ask humbly and and earnestly. So not only are you asking with the prayer, but also in, in, in humbleness, but earnestly and... Uh, humbly to make an humble entreaty it says so every once in a while we go to scriptures and it says in prayer and supplication so who in the bible can we go to to show us examples of prayer and in those examples we see what God does or does not do with prayer. Matter of fact, one thing I will tell you, uh, I'm going to go over here to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to go over to it, uh, you can see where he mentions about uh, prayer. As a matter of fact, it's so important. It's in the listing of uh, putting on the whole armor of God. He says in the 10th verse of the 6th chapter, after he mentions other things, what we're to do about honoring our parents and things like that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So there's an armor we can put on. But there's a listing of all those armor 
all the armor of God. There's a listing of those things. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principles, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor. Take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And that's what you do, you know. When the, the, you can look at it from the standpoint of those of the soldiers in the military that are fighting the enemy. They don't want to. They 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 won't have a victory against the enemy unless they're able to stand and be mobile against that enemy. If you're pinned down or you're you're killed, you're dead. You're lying down. You got to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, here's some more, taking the shield of faith, wherein wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, number seven is this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So I thought I would put that in there because that's that important last part, but not least, prayer and supplication as part of our whole armor of God. And don't you know, in this day and age, don't we need prayer and supplication besides all these other things listed there? So we know that there's there's something that God gives us to go to him. Um, Abraham prayed. Matter of fact, there's an example of a, a prayer in, I think it's the 10th chapter of Genesis, where he prayed for Abimelech and his wife and who were barren, and then they were able to have children. But he prayed to God. Abraham prayed. Moses prayed. Uh, David prayed. You can go uh, to, I think it's the 85th Psalm. You'll see where uh, uh, David prayed, 90th Psalm, Moses prayed. But it was put in Psalm as, with lyrics, you know, with, as a song. But they were actual prayers of these old patriarchs. But the one we definitely need to go to to see about praying and see about what he did with praying is Jesus. Because there's more in the scriptures about Jesus as the perfect example for us of what he did in praying and the, the ramifications of the prayer and the, and the power we see behind the prayer. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, Jesus even taught us how to pray. Uh, I want to go over to that. Uh, Let's see, I think it's in uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, 9, and I think it's also in Luke 11 and 11, but 6 through 9, Matthew. Uh, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Here we go. Uh, matter of fact, in Luke... The uh, John, one of the disciples, asked him, teach us how to pray. 
And of course, he mentions this, but I've, I've gone over here to the 6th of uh, Matthew. And he says, uh, he mentions about uh, in praying, he mentions something, and that doesn't mean we can't pray in public. What it means is we shouldn't pray in public in order to gain, uh, to be uplifted and, and gain a prideful uh, show off. We're not to pray to show off to others. Let's put it that, that in my term, in my words. He says, um, he talks about alms when you're giving money, you know, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy right, left hand know what thy right hand doeth, uh, that thine alms may be in secret. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now what he's saying is, don't go out into the public to pray to be to to uh, show off to others how devout you are to God or something. Uh, we're we're to we're to pray to God more in secret or more to ourselves in order not to do that kind of thing. Uh, but also, you know, it's respectful if we do it in in church in in this public church assembly because it's also part of the worship service. It's not saying that. What it's saying is, don't be boastful with praying. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. You know, I see, and I'm not condoning, I'm not, I'm not condemning these people. Believe me. But you know, there's this, there's this, this wall. You know, the wall that's in Jerusalem. And you'll see these Orthodox, you know, of this religion. And you'll see them bang over. And praying, it seems like in repetitious words. Repetition, repetition. Well, Jesus said, don't do that as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. So prayer shouldn't be based on just a long lot of dialogue. And, and especially repetitious. I believe y'all understand what Jesus is saying here. Don't, uh, don't make your prayer meaningless. There's substance to it. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now he says, after this manner, therefore pray ye. And we call this the example prayer of Jesus. Our Father which art in heaven. Look, look, when I, when I go through this, look at the different elements of this prayer. What he says in it. What's the first thing he acknowledges? Our Father which art in heaven. First thing he acknowledges is, is God. And with him, he's the Son of God. He's part of that three in one God, the Trinity. But you know what he did? He always, always serves and glorified his Father. Our Father which art in heaven, 
Hallowed. Holy be thy name. First thing in his prayer. Thy kingdom come. What's the second thing with God? His kingdom. His kingdom. He has a kingdom in heaven. And you know he has a kingdom here. His church here. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth. Not on earth. But in earth. Whatever's on the earth. In the earth. Under the. You know. It's it's everywhere. In earth. As it is in heaven. Next thing. What are, what do we sustain ourselves with? We've got to be able to live. Give us this day our daily bread. And he says daily, doesn't he? There's a, there's a, uh, I think it's a, a song. It says, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Day. Give us this day our daily bread. Our, give us what we're in need of each day. Then look at the next thing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I'm always in prayer about, please forgive me of my sins. I sin. I can't help it. Even if I think it, it's a sin. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we ask God to forgive us of our sins, our debt, as well as those that sin against us. Then what does he say? Lead us not into temptation. What is it that causes us to sin? The temptation. But with that temptation, please lead us not out of that, that we are tempted. Whatever there's temptations, lead us, lead us not, lead us out of temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, what's the evil? Well, I know one thing. There's one being that's out there, and God asked him one time, where are you? And he said, I'm going, uh, I'm in the earth, and I'm going up and down in it. Going to and fro through the earth and up and down in it. It was Satan. And Satan is the author, he's the evil. But deliver us from evil. Then what's the last? For thine is the kingdom... You're in control, God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Sweet, concentrated, wonderful prayer, which he gave us as an example of some of the elements that he says we can use in it. Then look what he says after that. Because he's going to give reasons why you need to pray for some of these elements. He didn't. He didn't just include all of them, but he. This was important. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, remember he said to forgive those that trespass against you. If ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's the reason why you need to forgive other men their trespasses, their sins. That's offended you that way the father will forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses now what happens if you don't neither will your father forgive your trespasses oh boy 
So he emphasized that right after that prayer. So I'm, I try to be mindful about at some point, you know, at some time trying to include, um, I, forgive me of my sins, Lord, but also forgive others of, that have sinned against me. So we see that as an example of prayer. Uh, Jesus prayed at his baptism. He prayed in the wilderness. He put, One time he went into a mountain and he prayed all night long until the next morning. And that's when he went and he walked on water to the ship. You'll find that in Luke 5.16. Uh, 6.12, I'm sorry. Uh, also, uh, he prayed... Uh, remember he broke the bread when he fed those 5,000? He prayed for the, the, the food. And of course, what happened? All the fragments of baskets of food that was left after they just had a few loaves and some fishes. He prayed after the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, at Caesarea Philippi. Also, uh, when he took uh, John and Peter and he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he prayed before at the Mount of Transfiguration. They were rebuking little children one time. He, he took them into his lap. They were rebuking, and he prayed for the little children. That's another thing. We need to pray for our children. He prayed right before he, in the 11th chapter of uh, John, right before he called out Lazarus from the grave, he prayed to God. He prayed in the temple. Remember the Last Supper? I think that's uh, in Matthew. Matthew 26, the Last Supper. He took and poured the wine and he prayed. And, and he broke the, before he broke the bread, he prayed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. Uh, matter of fact, he prayed three times. And in Luke, remember the beloved Luke who wrote uh, uh, the physician? Uh, he wrote, uh, you know, Luke. And as Jesus was praying, it said that his his body was uh, his sweat was as if it were great drops of blood. It didn't mean that he was sweating blood. It meant that the sweat from him coming off of his body was as dense as drops of blood. You'll find that in in uh, Luke. Um, but that was during his prayer. Could could you imagine? What he was suffering in that. You see, Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew what manner he would die. He saw his future. What would we do if we saw the future of how we were to die? What would we do? Might we try to avoid dying at that, at that time, that way? What if I knew... 
God gave me the ability to be able to see myself crash right here on 35 somewhere and get killed in an awful car crash. Might I try to avoid getting in a car from now on? But you see, Jesus saw his future. He saw he would go to his death. And he was praying to God. If it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And his sweat was so great and was so dense. Luke described it as if it were great drops of blood, being the physician that he was. Also, when Jesus was taken in the garden, you know, Peter took a sword and cut off the chief priest's ear. And Jesus said, put up your sword, for those that live by the sword shall die by the sword. He said, know ye not, I can ask my father, I can pray. He said, know ye not, I can pray to my father, and he will send me 12 legions of angels. A legion is anywhere from six to 12,000. Multiply that out. He could have destroyed the world with, the, with the, the, the amount of angels that he could have prayed to the Father for. Yes. Boy. Uh, that's in uh, Matthew 26 chapter. There's so much about praying. He prayed on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus prayed everywhere. It was so important. Be in communication with God. And it's important for us to stay in communication with our God. We've got these wonderful scriptures here. This love letter from God that he's given us that we can go into. We have this prayer, this ability to go and to pray unto him. You know, really, there's, it's, it's, it's in itself a miracle because it's our communication, way of communicating with God in an humble petition to Him. Um, I'm going to go over here to James. Uh, let's see. James 5. Let's see what he says here. James had a lot of instruction. Uh, he said, twelfth uh, verse, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath. In other words, don't curse and swear by God's heaven, by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea and nay be nay. When I went into the service and I had to, uh, I had to take my oath. I didn't say swear. I said I affirm. <laughs> and there were others. They said the same thing. They would say, and they would give us that alternative. Okay, all you religious people, if you can't swear, well, you can say affirm. Oh, okay, thank you. Uh, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any of you sick? Let him pray. 
Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And I know we have churches that believe in this. One time, this was 20-something years ago, something like that, I, uh, as one of the ministers went up there to uh, Oklahoma. I think it was a church in Blanchard, Oklahoma. Went up there. We had a brother that uh, was had cancer. It was a bad, bad cancer. So many elders from different states came in, and we uh, anointed him with oil. We placed our hands on him. And... Uh, as the Bible is saying here, many, uh, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall save him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's a condition here, isn't there? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, in West, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 it says, uh, the instruction is for that church to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean just, you know, someone, okay, you pray, keep going, we'll send another person to take up. No, it means... Continue to pray as often as you can pray, as much as you can pray, but pray. But remember, not with vain repetition and not with, if you think, you know, uh, the, you, you're praying insincerely, just vain stuff, but sincere, sincere prayer. Romans, let's see. Uh, pull it over here, Romans. Uh, eight. Romans 8. What a wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, go over here, Romans 8. Let's see. I think it's in 20s. Okay, yes. Now, here's one thing. And, you know, I have asked this. I've been asked this question. As a minister, I've been asked this question. How do I know what to, what is, what I should really pray for? How do I know? What, what would be, what, what would be right to pray before God? And, uh, I thought about that and I thought, well, you know, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible which helps us with that. Uh, and I think this is it here. Uh, it says, uh, 24th verse, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? And of course, we, we're always praying because of uncertainty. We, we, we don't know for certain many things, so we pray to God to help us with that uncertainty or we have this hope that God will do. And a lot of times the way I'm having to pray is 
I ask the Lord to do this or do that, but then I say, not my will, but thine be done. As Jesus said, if it be, if possible, you know, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Ah, likewise, the Spirit helpeth us. Do you have the Spirit of God within you? Well, then you have that Spirit of God placed within you that will help us. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So when we're praying, of course, we hope and we hope that we pray appropriately to God, but we also know what we need to pray for with the help of the Spirit of God. And he's and he that searcheth the hearts. Who is it that searcheth the hearts? God searcheth whose hearts? Yours and mine. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the what? Will of God. According to his will. Not my will, but thine be done, God. I'm praying for you. I've been having to pray for my wife. I've been having to pray for various members of my family that have all kinds of various problems or friends that have problems. I'm praying for them. And I hope I'm I'm praying sincerely. And I hope that I'm praying uh, that it's God's will that these things be done for them. But as the Apostle Paul, as you know what the Apostle Paul did uh, when he uh, went to God three times, there was some sort of a a, uh, a thorn in his side. Uh, he uh, he went to God with it, and uh, let's see. Twelfth chapter of Second Corinthians. Look what happens. He said, uh, "You know, he was always getting these revelations, and he saw this man. It was in heaven." But he said, uh, for though I, uh, sixth verse, for though I desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, I wait, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth me. And lest I should be exalted above, above measure, because he was given, the Apostle Paul was given so many revelations of things. He was given the understanding of God's uh, doctrine, more than any man. He wrote 14 books by the divine inspiration of God. He was given these, he said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, to hit me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So he had some kind of an imperfection or some kind of a a flaw that he wished God would take it away from him because it, it, it impeded him in some way. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. Well, you know how he besought the Lord? He prayed to him. He besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Lord, take this away from me. 
And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now you know the reason why it wasn't taken. He went to the Lord thrice in prayer to him to take it away. And God said, I'm not taking it away from you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he understood. Paul understood He understood. He said, when I am weak, then am I strong. And how was he strong? He was strong in the decision of God to keep him in that situation, although it was somehow hindering him. God kept him in that. Look what God did with all the disciples, all the 12 disciples, one of them which was Judas. He he, uh, betrayed Jesus. And then his conscience got him and he went and he hung himself. Eleven left. Then they chose one named Matthias through Lot. They chose him to fill the twelve number. Did you know every one of them died? Most of them died a horrible death through secular history. We know that. We know the Bible tells us James was killed with the sword. But they all died with the exception of John. We know that he lived a long life. I think he lived be almost a hundred, something like that. But the thing is, is God's purpose, he used them until he no no further needed use, but they all became martyrs that died like that. Oh Lord, why do you do what you do? Why do you why do you make things happen the way you make them happen? When you're, when we're faced with tribulation and troubles, we have to go to God and that's how He does it. He knows, you know what? You're my child. What happens to our children when they get, I raised four daughters. If they got in any trouble, they came and said, oh, we're having this or we say where they're having a problem. We would go and we would do what we could. But sometimes, you know what we did? We would whip them. We'd have to spank them. But it was because we loved them. We did not want them going in this direction. One of them goes up and went to put her hand in. We have a gas stove. Went to put her hand up there to do something. No. Don't. That's how God does us. But we have this prayer. And there's power in the prayer. There's healing power in the prayer. I've even seen studies where people that have been prayed for, they've noticed certain changes or certain positivity that's occurred through the power of prayer. Healings that have occurred through the power of prayer. This was years ago. We had a sister in the church. She had blood clot in her right leg. It was bad. They were trying to dissolve it. They said, "Uh, it's not looking good. The church was praying. And you know what happened? The clot went away faster than the than the dissolving agent could could they just said it's gone. We all recognized that was a miracle because it was the whole church 
that was playing. Of course, we sent the word out to other churches to pray for this dear sister. And just said, well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, now, I'm going to close here. I'm going to go over to... Remember, I told you uh, in that uh, sixth chapter of Matthew about the example prayer. Well, this is the actual prayer of Jesus. Uh, 17th chapter of John. We have here the... Oh, we're so blessed. We have here the exact wording of Jesus' actual prayer to God before he's taken and arrested. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. What's the first part of that? Goes to the Father. Glorify your Son as the Son glorifies you. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. Is that a true statement? You know what he said before? He said, no man take my life. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. How many is that? We don't know. But we know this. The Bible tells us all that he died for is more in number than the grains of sand of the seashore, the stars in the heavens, and the dust of the earth. How many is that? Said it was a number no man can number. Eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God. Do you know if you know the only true God, you have eternal life? And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Well, he hasn't gone all the way to the cross and into the tomb yet, but guess what? It's as good as done. Jesus is not going to fail in doing the will of God. He saw his death. He was going to go right to it. Nothing was going to stop him. Satan tried to stop him at various times. Oh, Daryl, Brother Daryl, prove that to me. Remember when Satan, when he went into the wilderness, he was hungry 40 days and 40 nights. And you know what Satan would say to him? If thou be the son of God, if thou be the son of God, take these stones and make bread out of them. That was the first temptation. Remember that? If thou be the son of God, make these stones bread. Of course, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he used the scripture against Satan. Of course, Satan then started using the scriptures against him. But the main thing is, is that here we have Jesus, knowing, knowing his death, he was going to go to it, no matter what was put in front of him. And the reason why I said that phrase, if thou be the son of God, did you know it followed him all the way to the cross? Because guess what was said? If thou be the son of God, save thyself. 
Was Satan there? Satan was there. Satan wanted him, tempt him, to have himself get off that cross that he was dying from. It was a horrible. Just think, this is the Son of God, and he's on that horrible death instrument. It's a death and a torture instrument at the same time because you're dying. And then if you didn't die fast enough, they'd break your bones and your legs. But they didn't have to do that with Jesus. He went ahead and he passed away before they did that. But that phrase was following him. Satan even tried to use his own, his own disciple, his one of his greatest friends, Peter. When he told Peter, I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to be taken and I'm going to have to die. Peter said, be far from thee, Lord. And Jesus had to rebuke him. He said, thou savest the things that be of men and not those things that be of God. And then, this is about prayer again. What did he tell Simon? He said, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you, to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Let me tell you, Jesus, here's his prayer. And now, O Father, glorify thee me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Because Jesus, as the three-in-one God, was with God before he even created all of creation. I have manifested or shown thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. These are his disciples. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. They were with him those three years. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Did you know there's a distinguishing thing here? All of his children that know him, that know him as Jesus, as the Son of God, he said, he's praying for us. But he doesn't pray for the world. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Well, how many how many of those did he give? As many of the sands of the seashore, stars of the earth, dust of the earth, stars of the heavens, dust of the earth. All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Do you know if you're God's child, if you are uh, one that is uh, born again, you are one with God, and you are one with God the Father, one with God the Holy Ghost, and one with God the Son. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in, the, in thy name. Those that gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That was talking about Judas that betrayed him. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Because there was one that was going to betray Jesus so that he would be taken in the garden and then taken to the cross. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Do you feel as a Christian you're being hated? Think about it. Today, are Christians being hated? Yes. 
Jesus said it was going to happen. Look. And now come unto these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Did you know if you're a Christian, you are not of the world? You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You are a child of God. You are a born-again Christian. You are not of this world. You, you are not, you're in the world, but you're not of this world. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it says we are strangers in a strange land. We're like foreigners just passing through. Our home, our permanent home is in heaven and a mode of glory. I have given, he says, uh, and now come unto thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know what? You're going to have joy fulfilled in yourselves through the knowledge of this that you've been Matter of fact, the Bible even tells us, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. You were bought by the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for you and I, and that redeemed you and I to the Father. Because see, there was this big gulf between us and the Father through the big sin debt that was held accountable by what Adam had done in the garden way back. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. So he doesn't pray that we're taken out of the world. Because you know what he would have done? He would have just taken all of us and sent us all to heaven. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Well, we're in the world. We're not of the world. But we're going to be faced with evil. So he prays that we're not taken out of the world. But he prays that we will be kept from the evil that's in the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Sanctify means to separate out, to clean, cleanse and separate out through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know, that's one thing that separates us as Christians. We have the truth. Jesus said, if you continue on my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And if the Son of Man make you free, you should be free indeed. Amen. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, his disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So when you hear the gospel message, when you hear the word that's true through the gospel, he sanctified you. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, they in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them 
as thou hast loved me. This is heavy. This is, this is deep, but yet it's simple. As Jesus loves us, he also is loved of God the Father, and the Father loves him, and they love us as we love them. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now I'm going to ask y'all a question. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Do you believe in the Holy Ghost? You're His child. You are one He bought and paid for by His precious blood. The only substance in all of the universe that God accepted to pay the sin debt and to redeem us back in good favor with God because what Adam did brought us in disfavor with God. What Jesus Christ did brought us back made us righteous and brought us back in good favor with God the Father. Because what he's done is what Peter tells us here. I'll try to go over here to... 1 Peter, I think it is. uh, He says, uh, the third verse, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a resurrection. And whether we're dead, our bodies will be raised and changed. Whether we're alive, they'll be changed. What's the fourth verse say? To an inheritance. What was the inheritance? The inheritance that we, God, would redeem us. We would have a home in heaven and a mortal glory. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice now, thou, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Well, I know one thing. Prayer is what God has given us to go to Him. And listen, after you pray, how do you feel? I know one thing. I feel more relieved. I feel like a weight was lifted from me in a way. I mean, it makes me feel better. But all I know is that I know, I understand God is in control. He's He loved me. He saved me on the cross of Calvary. Just He's done for you. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer.